Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Perfect. It started. Okay. Welcome to episode four of Wide Left Sports. Today, I am joined by former NFL tight end and Carroll College alum and Montana native Casey Fitzsimmons. It's an honor to have you here today, Casey. Of course. So I wanted to start this off by, um, <clears throat> excuse me, by saying, what's Casey Fitzsimmons doing now? You know, a lot of us know your um, career here in Montana, but we don't really know what you're doing now that you're retired and out of the NFL. So what are you doing nowadays? Well, right now I'm in between. Uh, so being able to make genetics for, for cowherds across the state has um, fulfilled you know, the the gap that football, this has been fun. I get to go out and talk to Montanans, talk about cows, um, go see different places and um, build cows, you know, genetically that fit our environment and uh, that we can put out there to produce really good mama cows. So, Well, <laughs> what breed you had and if this was something you always wanted to do, so... You answered those questions for me in your answer. <laughs> yeah, so like, uh, you know, everybody, you know, when I played football, I played football to be able to have the opportunity to buy a ranch and, and raise my children and live out the rest of my life in Montana. And so everything kind of worked out good. And, and so far we've been, you know, making some, some moves and hopefully it, it all pans out you know like anything you put in the time the effort and the hard work it seems to work out pretty good yeah that's great i'm glad you're able to live that out for you um so i want to do a little bit of a highlight reel here you had a great career in chester then you went on to have an even greater career at carroll where you you know were <clears throat> excuse me a four-time all-conference two time or 2003 conference MVP, and the player of the year for the NAIA. What was that like going through all of that? And just give us a little bit of a tidbit of your career there with that. So anybody that's been in sports or understands sports, you know, football is probably the ultimate team game. And, you know, the accolades and stuff like that and success is is all about the people that I was surrounded with. And, um, you know, it's hard for me to accept um, those kind of awards because there were so many people that played such a big part in my success and um, so I share it with everybody you know the, the class that I went into Carroll with and, and you know and uh, Carroll was on a complete rebuild year I think they won one or two games the year before and we came in that year went 500 and then the next year won the conference championship and went to the NAI semifinal. Um, and then back into the semifinals my uh, junior year and then one of my senior year. But out of that class, I think there was maybe one or two kids that left. And um, every 
other person that stayed was a was a played a big role on our team and um fortunately i you know got a lot of accolades due to our team success and so you know i really in all honesty don't ever look back at the stuff i'm i'm grateful for those awards um but i'm more appreciative of what we did as a team as a school and um and kind of opened the door for a lot of kids that wanted to go to Carroll and Carroll got put back on the map and became successful. I went on to win, I think five more other national championships. And, um, so to be a part of that to me is probably the, the, the greatest achievement that I've had is to be, um, I guess a link in the chain of the success that we had over there. Well, you definitely were a big link in that chain, I feel, and um, you also, I mean, not just Carol, but now, you know, Rocky has come on, and I think Carol's success, which you were a big part of, has made the other schools in the Frontier Conference better, too, so there's a lot that you've done for not only Carol, but like I said, Rocky, Tech, all of those schools that are in Montana are benefiting from Carol's runs there. You know, it's cool because the Frontier Conference is tough, and it, it's pretty evenly matched, and I think you see um, teams, you know, I think are worthy of playoffs, and their record may not show up, but, you know, when you have to play the Frontier Schools twice, it's tough to, 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 you know, to sweep a lot of these teams. You know, Dylan's got a really good team now, and Rocky, um, Tech's, you know, always competitive, and you know, Northern, hopefully they can get things rolling up there because, um, in my opinion, that school is is kind of the heartbeat of small town Montana for kids to have the opportunity to play college football. And so hopefully they, you know, get get a coach in there because uh, I guess Andrew Rowland just resigned yesterday. And so they can get a coach in there that can get some Montana kids in there and, and, and get successful and, and make a run at a playoff someday yeah well if i'm not mistaken i think the ex-saints coach van deest is there isn't he as a coordinator or something yeah he was the d coordinator last year um and so everything kind of shook out i think you know about seven eight o'clock last night i think news broke or late afternoon that andrew had resigned and so i don't know what's going on up there but and i don't know what coach van deest is is coach absolutely so coming from chester what did it mean to bring a championship to carroll for, for the town of tester or chester sorry it was kind of, it, so chester's a cool cool town and 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 it means a lot to me i mean a lot of my close friends are still from there they um you know i think there was five or six of them that were in my wedding um, we all stay in contact on a monthly, weekly basis, um, and it's just a special place. And, and to be able to go there, and, and, and then you know, some of them road tripped out to uh, Savannah or Tennessee to watch the national championship game. Wow! And uh, so, I mean, it's it's such a special place, and they all took pride in that. The fact that I was from Chester, the town did. Um, but it was the the feeling was mutual, you know. I'm I'm proud of where I came from. I'm proud of my state. I'm proud of my school. 
Um, and uh, it was just special to bring that back because, you know, not a lot of small town Montana people, you know, get people that, so it was, it was funny, you know, now that I'm older and get a chance to look back and, and see how, how um, you know, we did so much on so little. You know, we we didn't have the football camps and uh, the specialized sports and the training facilities. I mean, we just grew up farm kids and, and ranchers and went out and were tough and played football the way it was supposed to be played. Well, yeah. And sometimes those farm towns are the best. I mean, I know my brother played baseball. He didn't play football, but they had some farm kids that would go out and play baseball, and they were really good just because they were big and strong and, you know, knew how to play the game. And I would assume the same with football. You know, I think the small town, why they kind of excel in every sport is because you, you, you go with, it's like the seasons, right? Like, yeah. You know, you got your football, basketball, track, baseball in the summer, wrestling, um, and you participated in all those things because that's what everybody did. Your buddies did that. You didn't specialize in one sport. And so now you're seeing a lot of one-dimensional athletes that I think kind of hurt them longevity-wise is, is they, 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 you know, are wearing out joints and knees and elbows and, and shoulders because they're not getting, you know, the full range of motion and, and giving their body a break on certain things. Yeah, definitely. So you would definitely be an advocate for playing multiple sports then throughout your childhood. Absolutely. I think, you know, the more you can do, you know, and not, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Coach Van Deese recruited me off the basketball floor. He never even seen me play football. Really? So That's neat. <laughs> there's some things that you can see, and I can, you know, watching kids develop and, and athletes grow, you can see that they, they could excel and, and you know, a sport, but watching them gain coordination on the basketball floor um, and their movement and then go and watch them on the football field for toughness and all sorts of stuff. And then baseball, you got your hand-eye and, and track. You just got your pure athleticism of running and jumping and, and whatnot. So there's so many valuable things that you can take away from each sport and help. But you should be playing sports because, I mean, you only get to do it, you know, realistically for four years from eighth grade to, to your to your senior year at a high school level or freshman to high, to senior. And so you should be playing them all and taking advantage of it because when it's gone, it's gone. Right. That's a very good point too. Yeah. So you kind of touched on this a little bit, but what, but what was the recruitment process that got you to Carroll and what made you choose Carroll ultimately? <laughs> it's funny. I was just talking to a guy about this the other day, but it was one phone call from Coach Van Deest and then, to, to be able to hear the excitement in his voice um, and then the, the, the feeling of being wanted um, was, you know, Coach Van Dees is a hell of a recruiter and he's a great man, he's a great father, a great husband. And then the coaching staff that he had in place, um, you know, Nick Hallett and Jim Hogan still play a big role in my life, as does Coach Van Dees. And so, to be able to get recruited and to be able to go there, you know, not knowing what to expect or, or what was going to come of it um, was kind of, uh, I wouldn't say scary, but it's just, you know, the, the uncertainty of the unknown is always what holds people back. And, and so I just took it and ran with it and, and 
took advantage of an opportunity that was given to me that's not given to a lot of people and uh, tried to make the most of it, you know. But the recruiting part was simple. I mean, I found a fit. I found coaches that, that I liked and that, that would work for me and uh, didn't look back, you know. Right. Um, I'm going to kind of touch on, like, that, that portal thing, and I don't really understand it real well, but it kind of eliminates the loyalty to schools, and then also it, it eliminates, it gives people a plan B, an option out, to where instead of fixing, you know, maybe themselves or, or the situation that they're in, they just leave. And so seeing players get shuffled around all over the country is, is kind of baffling to me, and it seems like uh, the loyalty to a program and to an opportunity is kind of dissipated. Definitely, I, I completely agree with that. So then my next question is, what is it like to be a football player at Carroll where it's also a very academic-based school? <laughs> so I was an academic scholar, right? Mm -hmm. No. I didn't take school. It's, it's, the faculty and the staff there when I was there was unbelievable. And they, they, that school is meant to make you successful. Now, you get the grades and you get through school, you get a degree, but the more importantly, the connections you establish outside of the school is what really sets that school off. Going back to the NFL, um, every stadium I played in across the country, somebody from Carroll would come down and talk to me. And so it was wow. pretty cool. It's a well-connected school, um, great atmosphere. Um, I'm Catholic, so it fit my, uh, my religious beliefs and... Um, it's, it was just it's, it was an awesome opportunity. It, it made me into a better person, um, and I appreciate every minute I had there. So definitely. So let's transition a little bit. You've talked about the NFL a little bit. Um, what was the undrafted process like? You know, you always hear the three days of the NFL draft with the seven rounds, and then you do hear of undrafted free agents signing. What was that like? So you get you get calls, and I had I think four or five teams, maybe six, that wanted me to sign as a free agent, um, and we get drafted. And um, Detroit's roster was intriguing just because of the fact they had young tight ends. They signed a um, a free agent out of San Diego named Michael Ricks, and uh, he was more of a pass catching type tight end. And, you know, coming out of college, I was a pass-catching tight end, but I was also undersized. I'm only like six foot four. I weighed 250 pounds. Um, wasn't your big stereotypical tight end. And so uh, um, it was going to be a good fit. And then, you know, I signed, and I got like I think $2,500, which cleared my credit card bill that I accumulated over the semester. <laughs> and... Uh, Went out there and, and uh, you know, the rest is history, I guess. Awesome. That's a great story. You know, because, I mean, they don't really touch on how it happens. They just say it happened. So who gave you that call when you got your free agent deal with Detroit? Who was the one that called you? Uh, Sean Coogler, and who's remained a great friend and, and really is the guy that developed me into a pro. Um He's actually the O-line and the running game coordinator at Arizona right now. And uh, he's just a wonderful guy. And uh, he, was, he was unbelievable. He's a technician. Um, but he taught me so much more than just football. He taught me how to be a pro. 
you know, what's expected. And, you know, he gave me a fair shake. You know, a lot of rookie free agents don't get a fair shake. And, no. Um, I went into rookie minicamp, um, and I was the only tight end there. And I took every rep, did all the special teams for like four days. I was ex- just exhausted. And, uh, but it's, it's what probably set me apart and gave me an opportunity to, to get invited back to be a part of the team. And I didn't even know the process. You know, I'm really not a football fan. I don't keep up with how things work as far as the draft and, and free agency at that point. I didn't understand it and um, didn't understand the divisions. You know, yeah. I just love football. Right. And so getting out there, everything was like, and I remember calling my agent after rookie minicamp and being like, so what's next? Do I get to play in some preseason games? And he's like, yeah, they haven't touched you yet. So, um, kind of, you know, I didn't even really look at all the other stuff. The only thing I cared about was what was right in front of me, that play, that snap, um, and trying to do the best that I could. Well, and I'm sure being undrafted, you kind of felt like you had to be that way because, like you said, they cut so quickly that you felt like you had to do everything just perfect almost. You know, and it's funny. And then the rookie free agents. And, and let me tell you, I've seen as many rookie free agents that are, you know, worthy of being drafted as, you know, first-rounders. And I think we've all seen, you know, the first-rounders that don't pan out for whatever reason. And so... Football is a cool thing because you can talk about how good you are. You can act how, about how good you are. But at the end of the day, you got to go out and perform. And um, so, you know, the draft's great, you know, in the first round, second round. And you get a little extra money or a lot of extra money at the time I was playing. And uh, But at the end of the day, you got to win. And you got to contribute to the team. And so... Um, it's kind of funny when people ask me if I was drafted, and then I tell them, no, I was a rookie free agent. They kind of look at me <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> so I get a kick out of it. It's all about the grind, though, and you obviously grinded very well to where you had a decent career. <laughs> yeah, I should have been a butcher. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of going on that same thing, you had some touchdowns in your career. What was your first touchdown like, and where was it? My first touchdown was against the San Diego Chargers. Um, it was on like the two-yard line, and I want to I want to say the play was called "18 Bob Why Hide," and uh, you still see it being ran. Um, if you go back and and watch some Bill Walsh or any West Coast offensive-oriented teams, you'll see that that play is still being used. But it's just a thing where you fake like you're cutting, you miss the D-end, and then you sneak across the other side of the field, and the quarterback rolls out. He rolled out to his right, um, and I went left, and he threw it back across the field for a touchdown. Well, great. And so that kind of um, leads into my next question. You also probably blocked some being a tight end. Who was the most dreaded D-lineman? Because, like, I know now you have Aaron Donald and you have Meyer just wrecking balls on the D-line. Who was that for you in your playing time? Uh, Julius Peppers, hands down. And I played against him when he was in Carolina, and he was at the, you know, prime of his career. 
and he was like six eight and just a man child. I mean, he, he was long, he was strong, he was big, he was fast, and uh, he was just a he was an animal. And I think I, I want to say last year was his last year. Yeah, last um, year or two definitely for Green Bay. So, and he was still effective, you know. So he was he was had one of the most powerful guys. Besides him, would have been uh, Trevor Price out of Denver. I just remember playing against him and getting thrown around uh, around me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then I have to ask. You know, when you watch a game, you see a lot of going back and forth between the linemen. Is that actually happening? And how bad is the trash talk? Oh, it is. It, it, I mean, everybody's there competing, you know. And so some people say some more stuff than others. And uh, I never really got caught up in it. I enjoyed, you know, getting my two cents in after they started it. So <laughs> it, it's, it's prevalent. I mean, I know they're curving down on it this year. Yeah. Um, I've been watching a little bit of football and, and see that they're throwing flags if people are talking to each other or doing some gestures or any of that stuff, which, you know, it, I think it, it cleans the game up a little bit. But, I mean, we put a lot of time and effort into it. And it's all right. And I think fans kind of like that kind of stuff to an extent, you know. Right. Uh, right. I mean, they don't allow trash talking, but they allow you, you know, to go down there and celebrate and do a skit or whatever. And I think that that takes away more from the, the integrity of the game than two guys, you know, that put a lot of time and effort into it, hammering it out with their mouth a little bit is, is in my opinion, is okay. So, yeah, definitely. You know, I never got caught up in the trash talking, um, but I ain't going to say I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> and so it, 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 it's still prevalent, and I think, you know, it goes on. I don't don't know about as much now, but there's a lot of stuff that's said, and it, it, it's, at times it's comical. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so, what? another question I have is, I looked at Wikipedia a little bit to see your career stats and things like that, and they said that you returned to kickoff against the Bears in 2007. Being a 6'4 tight end, that's not very often that that happens, so run me through that a little bit. Well, they didn't tell you the whole story. See, that's why you can't believe everything you read on the <laughs> internet, right? No kidding. So it, was an onside, it was an onside situation, and... Uh, I got a candy hop, and I looked up, and uh, there was uh, Corey Smith had just wiped a guy out, and Boss Bailey picked up a guy, and there was nobody in front of me, so I was like, I'm just going to take off and score. <laughs> time, was pretty upset about it, because, uh, you know, I was one of the, the hands guys, so I was onside, I was always the guy that caught the ball. Um, Anyway, he was upset about it. He's like, you know, you're supposed to go down. And I said, well, it worked out all right. He turned and looked at me, and he couldn't say anything and walked away. So. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Guess it paid off anyway. He scored, so. Yeah, and ended the game. And then a couple of my high school buddies that are Bears fans were out at that game. And so it was nice to, to be able to beat the Bears. and Say and, you scored uh, against them. <laughs> Yeah, then I gotta go run my mouth against them that night. You know what I mean? So, oh, that's great. That's that's the big problem: being better than your friends' teams, anyway, right? <laughs> absolutely. 
So another thing is what type of commitment does it take to not only make the NFL but stay in the NFL? So there's so many variables, uh, and it's, that's probably one of the biggest questions I get asked, right? And mm-hmm. so at the end of the day, it's, it's about talent and then doing the right thing both on and off the field. I've seen so many guys that were so talented do so many stupid things off the field that, they, you know, organizations don't have time for it. And so, you know, football is a huge commitment at that level. Um, you live breathe, eat, sleep football, and like, for instance, I'd go in the morning about 5 in the morning and get home about 7, 38 o'clock at night. Wow. And, uh, you know, you're working out, you're eating right, um, you're in the, you know, taking care of your body, whether that be getting treatment, icing, cold baths, or cold tub, hot tub, sauna, all this stuff, and, um, keeping healthy but I think the main thing that people don't realize is that keeping your 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 body in check you know taking it and resting it when you're supposed to or working out when you're supposed to um like when I I would come home to Montana as soon as the season was over I was on the first plane uh I was in my car smoking for Montana and when I got home you know I would do a lot of unconventional stuff I wouldn't be in the weight room from January to March, I'd be training on a mountain, uh, whether that, we'd run Mount Helena every day. Wow. Uh, I did a lot of hiking. Uh, you know, I fished a lot, uh, but I stayed active, but I gave my body a chance to heal up and uh, kind of stayed out of the football thing and just came into everything fresh come March, April when we had to report back. So. You know, staying there is, is a culmination of a bunch of things. Taking care of your body, being a good pro, whether that's on or off the field, and uh, giving your chance, your body a chance to rest and, and get recharged because the season's a long haul. I mean, it's tough. I can only so. imagine. So then, another just kind of fun thing. What was it like to hear your name over at PA System? You know, you're a small-town kid from Montana, and you get to hear your name announced at – Ford Field in Detroit as a starter for the Detroit Lions? You know, it's... Are you still... There you are. Yep. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's pretty cool because I remember my rookie year, um, we played the Arizona Cardinals my first game. And uh, everybody talked about the preseason and how the regular season so much bigger and better and, and it's faster and stuff. And I remember we received the ball on the kickoff and I'm sitting there and I'm looking around. I think there was 55, 60,000 people in the stadium. And hell, I'd, I'd really never been, you know, I never got out much. I grew up in a Liberty County, which is, hell, there's maybe 1,100 people there. <laughs> and uh, looking around and just, kind of taking it all in like, you know, you arrived and, and uh, you know, to get your name announced on the PA system, it, it, it's, it's cool and it's, it's kind of a reward for where you got to. But, you know, my thing was just being able to be in that environment and play under such pressure. You know, I don't miss, uh, I guess the thing I miss the most about football is just the competition of it, to be able to go out there and compete against a high-level athlete and to beat them 
you know, in yeah. your personal matchups. And so, but it was cool. I mean, it's, it's, uh, those environments are awesome. It's what we all live for, you know, it's the reward for all the work we put in is to have a bunch of fans come and go wild, you know. Right, yeah, no, that's awesome. So another thing is, as you know, and um, parents play a huge role whenever their son or daughter is playing in sports. So what did your signing mean for your parents with the support that they gave you growing up? Yeah, my parents played such a huge role in me. So I'm a pretty chill person now, but I was high strung, high energy, um, ultra competitive. I hate losing. Um, <laughs> and so when we'd lose a game in high school, I'd come home and sometimes remodel my room. And um, <laughs> I'd get my butt whooped. And um, But my dad and my mom played such an important role. I mean, my dad was, was chill, and, and he would be real level-headed with me. My mom was more of the disciplinarian and, uh, you know, taught me, you know, that that stuff's not acceptable. And my dad would just have me cage it and unleash it at certain times, you know. And so my parents are, my parents are workers. You know, my dad since passed, but... Um, they worked. And so I got a good example of how, if you want to be successful in life, get your ass out of bed, put your clothes on, no matter what you're dealing with, handle it and, and move forward and work hard and stuff will work out for you. And so I had such great parents. And still, my mom's still a big part of my life and, and she lives in Helena here, you know, 30 miles from me. And so I had such good examples on how to how to go about life, and and it carried over into my professional career. But I think the biggest reward for me was to see how proud my parents were when they'd come to games and, and to be a part of that whole run of success with me. It was just unbelievable. And to this day, you know, my mom is super proud. My dad was, was unbelievably proud, <laughs> you know. And, I, and at times I tease my mom that I'm not show and tell, you know. So I guess that's the last of my questions. Is there anything that you would like to add at the end of this interview, Casey? No, you know, it, it's cool to come on and do these kind of podcasts, especially with people that really truly care about sports and care about Montana. And, uh, you know, you sent me a message that you're trying to get your podcast up and going and, and to be able to be a part of this. I mean, it's like anything in life. A guy needs you know, a break to, to be able to, to crack through and, and sports fans are awesome. I mean, they're, they're hardworking people, um, that, that, uh, spend a lot of money to support their teams. And, and I think sometimes as athletes, we get complacent in that, you know, with the media, the way it is that sometimes we feel like they're the enemy because they only report on certain stuff, but to be able to get on here and do this type of stuff with a, a, a guy from Billings and, and to to help you out in any way is, is awesome. And, and I'm just appreciative that uh, you asked me to do it and um, wish you guys the best of luck in your podcast. And hopefully this thing takes off and uh, you get the success that you are working towards. So. Thanks for having me. This has been a blast, and, and it's kind of fun to go down memory lane. I don't get a chance to think about it as much, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's been fun. So, Of course, and I'm super thankful to you for 
um, answering my message. I kind of just shot out of the dark, you know, thought, hey, you know, he's a Montanan that played in the NFL. It'd be awesome to interview him. So, no, I'm really happy. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Let me give give these kids that are out there now that, you know, there's a chance there's some more Montanans going to make the NFL and stuff, but. I live by a motto that's pretty simple. You don't burn the bridge, you got to cross back over. And um, I love this state, and I love the the people. Um, And at no point are you ever bigger than the game or bigger than the state or bigger than your community because without them, you wouldn't be anything. So, you know, these young guys that want to make a name for themselves, you know, establish yourself, be a good community member. And... um, do what's right, and, and there's a lot of good people out there. Yeah, there's some turds that are sports reporters and, and whatnot, but uh, for the most part, you know, the large majority of, of our state and, and whatnot are great, great people. So, could not agree with that statement from. more. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I appreciate it. It's been, it's been a lot of fun, and, and uh, you know. I hope it works out for you, Mitch, and thanks for having me. Thank you, and good luck with selling your cattle. I appreciate it. You have a great one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow, he is an amazing person. He is really great. Holy cow. I hope that recorded